Welcome back to Throwing Hands. It's me, it's Breck, it's Daniel, and we're here to preview Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. Breck, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good, Jacob and Dan. How you guys doing? I can't complain. Just uh, just happy to be here. Had a week off from the fight, but we're right back into it. We're right back into it, like you said. So we're going to go over a couple fights on the prelims because we got some Throwing Hands alums on here. First up, we got uh, Sung Wu Choi versus Yusuf Zalal. We're not going to go too in-depth on these prelim cards, but Yusuf Zalal coming off a fantastic 2023-1, only lost to Ilya Tapuria, uh, one of the most highly touted prospects of last year. And Sung Wu Choi, this fight was supposed to happen back in October, but things fell apart, which made Zalal fight Tapuria. Breck, what are your thoughts on this one? I haven't seen Choi fight much, but... I do. Uh, Zalal fought pretty recently, right, on uh, Fight Island? Yeah, and he looked that's pretty good. So, I mean, I think what is he like twenty four? So he's a he's a good prospect. I would uh, I would go with him in this matchup. And what do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as Breck. I haven't seen Joy or Choi, I should say, uh, fight very often. But there's a reason Yusuf Zalal is as highly touted as a prospect as he is. I know it's kind of cliche to say. But having him on the podcast, being able to to get his story and really hear about what motivates him. I've said this most of the times that we've previewed his fights. I'm never going to bet against this guy just with his mindset and the way that he approaches things. This week isn't any different. Uh, so who do you think is going to win, Daniel? Oh, Zalal. Uh, I should have made that more clear. Nah, you're good, man. Uh, Zalal, same with me. All right, to another matchup, another throwing hands alum, Justin Janes. Our third interview on Throne Hands. Great guy. Had a lot of fun. Hell to edit, but totally worth it. Coming in on short notice against Devontae Smith at a catch rate. Uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on this matchup and who you got winning? This is an interesting one. Again, Devontae Smith, not a guy I've seen a ton, but a guy that's got a lot of talent. You're not 10-2 and two without a good bit of talent. He's going to have a massive reach advantage in this fight. 76-inch uh, reach against 68 for Justin Janes. Uh, Two-inch height advantage, three-and-a-half leg reach advantage. Just by the numbers, Devontae Smith should have the advantage. But uh, kind of similar to Yusuf Zalal, Justin Janes has a really strong mindset for what he does. He's an extremely determined guy, and he's had sort of, uh, I guess you could say, an unusual path into the world of MMA and up to the UFC. I would lean towards Devontae Smith in this one, I think, because he's a real up-and-comer. But I would have – I would not – in any way be surprised to see Justin James pull out a win. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Daniel. And Devontae Smith's uh, uh, dimensions are crazy. 41-inch legs, 76-inch reach advantage. Uh, well, not four, eight-inch reach advantage, rather. He does. He has a lot of the tools to become a, a solid contender in this division. So I'll, I'll take Devontae in this one. But uh, when we talk about Justin James, don't count him out. Breck, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know a lot of much uh, you know, about these fighters, but both are coming off L's. 
James with two straight L's, but um, I-, I guess I'll go with Devontae Smith in this one. All right. To the featured prelim, uh, Mike Rodriguez, uh, slow Mike, but this dude has bricks in his hands. Come, He's on two – I forget how long his win streak is. Going up against Danilo Marquez. Uh, I got Mike and Rodriguez in this one basically uh, because he just has a lot of momentum behind him. Um, and that Herman loss was BS. You, know, you, you guys and I both know that. So, yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on this one, Brick? Yeah, I agree. He definitely um, – that last fight for slow Mike was definitely not a loss. Um, I don't know. I don't like the matchup for him particularly just because of uh, Marquez's jiu-jitsu background of the uh, Damian Maya jiu-jitsu. And I just don't know. Like, have we seen much of Mike Rodriguez on the ground yet? We really haven't. You make a good point. No. So that's that's worrying for me. I, I, I'll go with uh, Marquez in this – this one just because you know it's hard to bet against brazilians what about you daniel i i agree with brooke on a lot of that that i think rodriguez's ground game is is definitely a concern Uh, but coming into this one like you said the last fight just honestly a horrible decision loss there against herman i think we see a motivated mike rodriguez come into this i think he's just going to come out trying to pitch trying to punch danilo marquez's head off and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i think it means he's going to come out fired up and he's going to come out with the mentality that he wants to be impressive in this fight and for that reason i'm going to go with rodriguez i thought uh didn't rodriguez get subbed yes okay yeah that's what i thought it was all right to the first that's, that's what i meant i don't know what i'm <laughs> lost tonight for some reason yeah i mean you just grinded out a 15 uh word paper so yeah i can't blame you all right to the first bout of the main card diego fajera versus daniel ba- benil dariush uh fajera he's coming into it in his old age uh solid one streak going on and benil dariush uh missed weight last time but uh won by a nasty spinning elbow interesting matchup here both decent grapplers i give the grappling advantage to fajeda and the stand-up to dariush but this this can go anywhere breck what are your thoughts on this matchup yeah this is the uh for dariush too they fought back in like 2015 with uh, dariush winning diego Ferrer actually only his only two losses are to dariush and uh let me see here i think it's uh yeah poirier back in 2015 young young dustin poirier so, I mean, both fighters are coming off, you know, impressive win streaks. Darius won winner of last five. And this is a really slept on uh, lightweight matchup because, I mean, who's talking about these guys in the division? Nobody. Daniel, what are your thoughts? Uh, I echo a lot of what Breck said there. These are, are two guys that are really talented, two guys that have proven track records. Like he said, uh, Ferreira has only lost to the guy that he's going to fight, Dariush and Dustin Poirier. That's that's really impressive. Uh, meanwhile, I'm I'm probably one of the biggest Benil Dariush fans that you're going to find. I just love the way this guy operates. I love the way that, he, that he's so collected in the octagon, but he's able to strike so quickly and he's able to cause problems so quickly uh, for his opponents. I think these guys are extremely talented. And I think, like like he said, this is one that's flying under the radar, but it could be fight of the night by the end. For sure. All right. To keys of the matchup, I think Benil Dariush, if he keeps it standing, he has the advantage over Fajeda, but Fajeda loves to put on the pressure. So that might be tough for Benil Dariush if he gets put up against the fence. And I think Fajeda has the advantage on the ground. So he might want to put it there. Daniel, what are your keys? 
I, I agree with you uh, for the most part there. Uh, it, it's going to be a mix of styles. It's going to be who's able to to control pace and control where this fight stays that I think is going to be able to win it. There's not that much of a reach difference between these two. Uh, a two-inch reach advantage for Ferreira, but leg reach-wise, they're exactly the same. I think this is going to be pretty even in terms of advantages coming in. It's just going to be a matter of who can put their game plan to the best use. And Breck, what are your keys? Yeah. Um, Darius has a granite chin. I mean, and that the uh, what's who, who do you fight where the, you know, Rogan and the commentary team went crazy where he was getting rocked and then came back and finished the guy. Ooh. Um, let's take a look. There. Let's take a look here real quick. Um, that was, was it uh, Drakkar close? Yes, it was Drakkar close. When he dropped close and they were they they screamed. I mean, Darius was seriously wobbled and then just stormed at him. Like, what a chin on that guy! So, I kind of you know echo what Daniel Daniel said before, and uh, it's like if Ferrer can get this to the ground and keep it mostly on the ground, he's got the advantage, and you know it's going to be an awesome fight. Like, I, I think it's fight of the night. All right. Predictions. I'm taking Vanille Dariush by TKO. What do you got, Brick? I'll go. I'll go Dariush TKO. I think Ferrer will try to keep it to the ground, but I don't think he'll be able to keep him down there. So Dariush, you know, hammer fists. How about that? And what about you, Daniel? Yeah, make it three for Dariush again. TKO. I think he's he's kind of the irresistible object, I guess you could say, in this division right now. I see him making some moves in 2021. For sure. All right. To an interesting matchup, uh, Cody Stamen coming off a loss against Jimmy Rivera, a uh, wrestler, grappler, but he, he's had, he's added some uh, weight to his hands uh, for lack of a better term. And Askar, Askar, there's not much on this dude coming out of, uh, I, think he, I think he fought in LFA once or twice, but he likes to keep it on the ground too. So this could be a, an interesting grappling matchup to say the least. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Daniel? Cody Stamen, really fun to watch, really looking for a bounce back here too uh, after coming off just the third loss of his career, Uh, but an extremely talented guy, an extremely intense guy. That's what kind of comes off the page when he's in there, you know, wrestling background, but he started boxing when he was 16. He was a college wrestler at the same Grand Valley State program uh, that produced uh, Tony Ferguson. Uh, but he's got a long boxing background as well. Uh, he's got a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This guy's extremely well-rounded, trains with extreme couture. He's got everything you look for in a high-level fighter. And I think that intensity is what takes the next step up for him. He's looking, like I said, to bounce back from a loss to Jimmy Rivera. And then Askar, Askar, we don't know a ton about him. Like you said, 11-1 uh, and one, coming out of Chicago, he is – a really well-regarded prospect and it's his UFC debut. They wouldn't be putting up, putting him up, I should say against the guy on the level of Cody Stamen. Uh, if he wasn't at least somewhat ready for this challenge, uh, he's one, he only fought once in LFA too. So he's basically going, or excuse me, he, he fought twice in LFA. So he's basically going from, from mid tier MMA to the UFC in a period of, I guess, a year and a half, two years at this point. So I wouldn't count him out, but I really love what Cody Stamen brings to the table. I think he's extremely talented and it's going to be a huge test for somebody in their first fight in the UFC. What are your thoughts, Breck? Yeah. Um, I just don't know how we can put a lot into the Ascar Ascar. It's like you guys said, he's been fighting in like, you know, the G league essentially. And it's a tough opponent for his first UFC fight. 
And I just don't see how you can go anyway, but thinking, you know, Cody's going to win this one. Like you said, he's well-rounded and he's lost to three losses. And I mean, Jimmy Rivera is a tough guy that he lost to. It's hard to picture any scenario where Askar Askar gets the win. I mean, you know, we, we don't know, but it's, it's, you just got to go with the UFC guy. For sure. All right. So we're not going to keys here because we don't know too much about Askar Askar. So we're going to go to predictions. I, I'm taking a Cody statement by submission. What do you got, Breck? I'll go Cody by uh, TKO. And you, Daniel? Uh, I'll go with a TKO for, for statement in this case. Uh, it, it's what makes the most sense to me just based on what these guys do. All right. Unanimous decision on him winning. All right. Interesting. Another guy coming in here, uh, Manel Cape versus uh, Alexandra Pantoja. Pantoja coming off a loss against, I cannot remember, oh, uh, Askar Askarov. And then we have uh, Manel Cape coming in here. Interesting matchup here. Askarov, quite ta- these two guys are both quite talented. Uh, looking at Cape, he's talented, but a nice prospect. But they wouldn't be putting him up against Pantoja if Cape was not a good fighter. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, again, interesting matchup, uh, to say the least. Manel Cape, uh, the star boy, they call him. It's a, a, great, uh, a great nickname uh, just, just, to, just to come right off the rip with it. And, and like you said, it, it's a, a, a matchup where uh, you're not putting this guy up against somebody if you don't think they're ready. And I think that's, that's what you're looking at here. Uh, a couple of smaller guys, obviously, uh, fighting in this division. Both of them, five foot five, fighting at one twenty-five. Not great reach, not great leg reach. It's a leg reach advantage for for Manel Cape here, making his his UFC debut. But he's fought a bunch in Ryzen, so he's fought at a high level already. A, a three-fight win streak in that regard, and he's getting matched up with Pantoja, who in the past has has proven to have the ability to be an absolute killer. They call him the cannibal for a reason. He'll come after you and beat you up and bloody you. So uh, they're trying to put some, put some talent in this division. And, and Manel Cape is the kind of guy that you can do that with. And Pantoja, I think is going to be a really stiff test for him, but it's what you need when you're trying to create new stars as quickly as the UFC is. And Breck, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah. Um, Pantoja, you know, has a win over Brandon Moreno in 2018 and he lost the United decision to, you know, the eventual champion Davis and Figueredo. So this guy, you know, has fought the best of the best as we see it. And like uh, Daniel said, Cape coming out of Ryzen, that's, you know, much better competition than maybe like an LAFC or something, but uh, just off the, um, you know, Rolodex of who Pantoja has fought you, you got to go with, you know, the veteran here. All right. Uh, yeah, there's there is stuff on Manel Cape. Uh, I think Cape really needs to pick his shots. Uh, this dude can sit sit your ass on the ground for lack of a better term. Uh, if he hits you, if he hits you in the right spot, he hits hard for a 125er. And for Pantoja, uh, American Top Team guy, um, he can do it anywhere. I think it's his. I think it's best he gets it on the ground. But if he wants to stand up, he's definitely in his element as well. What are your thoughts on? What are your keys, Breck? Um. I think this is going to be a really close fight. If you look at their records, both of them have KO'd a lot of guys and submitted a lot of guys. So they're both well-rounded fighters. And I, I think, you know, whoever is better, whoever is, you know, jujitsu or wrestling is better on the ground is probably going to, you got a victory in this one. Cause I don't really see, you know, 
you know, a first round KO in this, in this type of matchup against two, you know, pretty good guys. So, you know, I'll probably go with like Pantoja with like a 30, 29, a really close, you know, split decision, even maybe. And what about you, Daniel? I think this is going to be a really close fight as well. I think these guys match up with each other really well. I would lean Pantoja in this case, like Breck said, by decision, uh, but I could see it going either way. Like I said before, the UFC is trying to create stars in this division. I don't think they would be putting Manel Cape in this position if they didn't think he could do that. But because of his track record, I would lean Pantoja by decision. Breck, uh, 30-29, that's, that's pretty close, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Two, um, interesting matchup. These guys are both old, both not – doing too great this is this is a cut eliminator i'd say but they both both might get cut let's be honest here michael johnson uh he's fought pretty much everyone there is a fight in the lightweight division and clay guida uh lost in a title eliminator against benson henderson eight years or so ago so these guys have had both ups and downs interesting matchup here breck what are your thoughts yeah like you said um i don't see these guys being in the ufc too much longer um, they've fought, you know, the who's who. Of, I mean, it's pretty incredible, too. We are looking at it before, like Michael Johnson, this t- pretty steep fall off from, you know, he beat Dustin Poirier in 2016, beaten Tony Ferguson, beaten Edson Barbosa. So he has it in his locker to win this fight. And Clay, Clay Guida is also, you know, a high volume, good fighter. But um, it's a really interesting matchup between two older guys. And Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, I'm echoing what Breck said. These are two guys that are very much on the back ends of their career. Uh, And the fall from grace for Michael Johnson has been uh, extreme, to say the least. I mean, like he said, wins over Poirier, Ferguson, Barbosa. Uh, But then you go back to to starting with his loss to Khabib in, in November of 2016, and he's lost six of his last eight. I mean, for a guy like this that's getting into the into the tail end of his career you'd like to see him have success but honestly you could say the same about clay guida these guys have been around forever and they're just trying to go out on a high note and i'm i'm honestly not sure which of which one of them is going to get the opportunity to do that on saturday yeah i, I have to agree with you there daniel all right keys to the match my keys i think michael johnson obviously has to keep this on the feet and i think if he hits uh clay guida in the head with how many fights he's fought i think it's a knockout but I think if Clay Guida gets to the ground, he has a very, very large advantage. But honestly, since these guys fought so much, whoever gets hit in the head first wins, uh, uh, loses. Breck, what are your uh, keys to the matchup here? Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, Michael Johnson wants to keep it to the feet. He has knockout power. And if he doesn't knock out Clay Guida early, I don't see, you know, I see Guida's just taking him down and working for the submission. He's got 14 submissions in his career. Uh, Daniel, I see that's how the fight's going to go. I think it'll be, you know, Johnson looking for the KO early and then Guida, you know, maybe submits him in the third. But uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Daniel, what you got, man? I I can't add much to what you guys have said. It's it's pretty much as simple as that. Whoever asserts their dominance early is going to win the fight. In that regard, I think Michael Johnson, I would lean his direction to finally get back on track here in some way or another and just stick Clay Guida at some point in the first two rounds. Uh, but it could go either way. If I'm making a prediction, I like Johnson in a TKO. All right. 
Daniel made his prediction. My prediction, I think Clay Guida gr- just grinds this one out and gets it by decision. What do you have to say, Breck? I'll go uh, Clay Guida, uh, third-round submission. And do both of these guys get cut after this? What do you guys think? I mean, with the contender series, you know, starting back up, I, I would imagine, you know, they want to get some of that young blood in there. So I, I would say so. What about you, Daniel? I, I would think so as well. Maybe the winner sticks around for a little bit longer and makes the next round, but I don't find it to be too likely. All right. To the co-main event of the evening, big stakes here in the Bantamweight division. Corey Sanhagen coming off a spinning wheel kick slash elbows, uh, t- uh, ground and pound victory against Marlon Moraes, who has fallen from grace. And Frankie Edgar, this guy seems to be ageless, former lightweight champion, former featherweight uh, title uh, challenger, and now he's trying to make his name in the bantamweight division. Solid matchup here. I think this could be this is a fight of the night contender as well. What are your thoughts on this one, Breck? It's just it's amazing that Frank Yeager is still going after all the damage he's taken over the years. You think of the three Gray Maynard fights where he just so many fights where he got rocked, and it's it's his third division he's fighting in. And, uh, you know, he's going up against a killer in Corey Sanhagen, who, you know, his only loss recently is to, you know, the guy who's fighting for the title in Sterling. So, uh, you know, like you said, this could be this could be an unreal fight. What about you, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree in that regard. At, at this point, at Frankie Edgar's like made out of titanium. That's the only way this guy can keep going, I feel like. And he's matching up with Corey Sandhagen, who – before he lost Aljamain Sterling, we thought, you know, was the rising star in this division. I think he still has a chance to do that. Uh, and he proved that against Marlon Moraes. But I think this is going to be a really stiff test for him because he's taking on, you know, one of the wiliest veterans in all of mixed martial arts. So this fight's going to be insanely entertaining. I'm really excited to be able to watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it too. The quick striking and grappling threat of Frankie Edgar versus the same thing with Corey Sanhagen. Both very, they're somewhat similar, but different in the same uh, aspects of their game. All right, two keys. I think uh, Frankie Edgar should probably take this one to the ground. Uh, Corey Sanhagen has some reach advantages and he's younger. So I think he wants to slow this pace down so he can uh, use his old man strength. Corey Sanhagen, speed it up. Uh, smart striking. What are your keys for the game, Daniel? Uh, Yeah, I I would agree with you completely there. The pace of this fight, I think, is what's going to decide it. If it's fast and furious from the beginning, then you've got a great chance of of seeing a big win for Corey Sanhagen. If it's slow, if it's stretched out over three rounds, I think Frankie Edgar has a really big advantage when it goes to that point. My man, Breck, what are your keys? Yeah, um, you know, if Edgar takes him to the ground, I mean, Sanhagen's pretty good on the ground too. I mean, the only guy, you know, he lost to really was, you know, Sterling, who's a monster on the ground. So, you know, I kind of give the advantage, I don't know about advantage, but it's pretty even on both the feet and the ground. So, you know, it's a, it is a tough one to call, but I mean, I don't know. Frankie looked so good in his last fight. So did Sanhagen over, uh, I think he beat Marias last. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think Frankie has got to, you know, keep up the volume strikes like he did last fight. I'm pretty sure he threw like a ton of strikes in his last fight. So if he can keep that up, you know, it's just, it's just, it's going to be interesting. All right. Uh, to predictions. Uh, I'm going to take this. This is really tough because I think 
Frankie Edgar is on that last hoorah type stuff. So as much as I love Corey Sanhagen, I'm going to take Frankie Edgar by decision. What do you have to say, Daniel? I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm split almost down the middle on this one. It's just extremely difficult to call when you've got a young up and comer like Corey Sanhagen trying to make a name for himself, trying to put himself in the conversation for a title shot. And he runs up against somebody like Edgar who has been beating dudes up for years and, and has been getting beat up for years, which is almost as, as big a deal at this point in somebody's career. So just a gut reaction. I want to say Corey Sandhagen, cause I, I think he, he has a chance to blitz Frankie Edgar at the beginning of this fight and, and make this a really dominating performance. So if I'm just going off my gut pick, then I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Corey Sandhagen with the TKO to win this fight. All right, Breck, what's your prediction? You know, I, I hate to agree with Danny on this end. because I love Frank Yeager, OG of the game, but I, I just, the young guy, I, I agree. I think he'll be, he could be too fast for, for Edgar, and I'll go with uh, Sanhagen probably in decision. But I wanted to ask you guys, if Edgar wins this fight, is he like an immediate contender in, in the bantamweight division? Hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's quite the question. Um personally i would think he's got to be in contention i don't know if he's if he's you know in line for the next shot but he's got to be up there because uh even even though that like you said this is his third division he's obviously talented we've seen that over the last who knows how many years but i I think he's got to be in the conversation to say the least i mean do you like like he has it up right now it's like if he beats sanhagen who's two i mean the only other guy you could say yeah i guess cody would get the next shot before him I don't think so because he's, he's coming. He's only fought once what in the past three years. So I, I think with Frank Yeager, I, unless you want to put him up against Rob Fawn or something, yeah, I think, sure. I think he's next up. I genuinely do. If he gets the win, I think if he does it emphatically, there's no, no way you can't give it to him. He's older. This is his last shot. And think about it. I think he'd be the only guy to win a belt, not, like it's uh i'm trying to think of the word in staggered weight classes in 135 and 155 so it's interesting so i think there's there's some history to be made there and i think frank yeager would get the title shot all right uh do you guys want to add anything to that no all right cool uh whoo the main event of the evening alistair overeem uh making his last hoorah in the ufc trying to win that belt Versus Alexander Volkov coming off a nice body uh, liver kick win against the man that is Walt Harris. Both these guys coming off uh, wins all Walt, against Walt Harris, but uh, Overeem, latest win is Augusto Sakai. Overeem, legend, legend of the game. He's an OG. Heck, he fought Chuck Liddell 20 years ago. Volkov still trying to find his place in this division. Breck, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, it's, it's incredible that Alistair Overeem has, is still fighting, considering the amount of times he's been, like, brutally KO'd, even going back to Pride. So, uh, you know, like, he's he's been, you know, on his social media, like, this is it. Like, this is his final run. And it's it's hard not to um, – it's hard not to root for Overeem in this, too. Like, four of the last five he's won. And, I mean, he was winning the Rosenstrike fight before, you know, his face got – you know, punched off, but, um, Volkov's so tough, man. This is, this is really, really an even matchup. Uh, so it's hard to call. 
And what what are your thoughts on this one, Daniel? Yeah, this is a really even one. These are two veterans that know how to knock people out. Somebody is going to get put on their backside in this fight, and they're not going to get up right away. So it's it's like Breck said, a really tough call because these two guys know exactly what they're doing in there, and they know exactly how to put down the person across from them. It's just a matter if they get that opportunity. So I like both of these guys. I like watching both of these guys and it's going to be really intriguing to see them actually go up against one another for once. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think one thing to know about these guys is that both of their grappling is very underrated, I believe. So if, if somebody's hurt, they could take this to the ground and do some work down there. All right. To keys of the game. I think oh, this is tough because you know, they have the same reach. Volkov has a very long leg reach. So I think maybe keep Matt Bay with some, some uh, front leg sidekicks, but it's a very, they're very similar in style, but Overeem just has the power advantage. So I think he, his advantage might be getting close and Moy tie it up. Breck, what are your keys for the game? Yeah, I was just about to say, like maybe, maybe those knees of Volkov goes to shoot because, you know, both wrestling is pretty, pretty good for a heavyweight. So maybe those, uh, you know, Overeem has like, I don't know, like five or six, you know, like knee knockouts in his career. He's a really, you know, well-rounded fighter. And um, it's, you know, keys keys to the fight is, is like Daniel said, if, if he can just avoid being TK, you know, KO'd early and draw this out, you know, you got to go with the, the guy with the more experience. Daniel, what are your keys? I, I would agree there. Both of these guys, like you said, a little bit underrated on the ground, Volkov especially. I, I really like the way that he wrestles. But uh, you compare him with Overeem, and it, it's going to be a, a matter of just who is able to assert dominance early. I think that's what is is going to happen in this fight. Somebody's going to take control early as far as pace goes, as far as power goes, and that's going to be the person that wins with a knockout, in my opinion. All right. Two predictions. I... I I think Overeem's a man on a mission. Uh, so I'm taking him by, by knockout some, sometime in the third round. What about you, Daniel? Uh, I'm going to agree with you, a knockout for Overeem. I don't think he's going to get a title shot. We talked about this uh, off the air before. There's a lot of guys that he's going to have to go through, and I don't think he's got that much gas left in the tank. Uh, but if he's got it in his mind that he's going to get another title shot if he keeps winning, I'm not going to bet against him. I like him with a knockout as well. And what about you, Breck? I'm going to go with a Overeem decision, uh, you know, on points. And, you know, I'm not going to give up, the, you know, the Overeem title shot dream. It's going to happen, okay? Alistair Overeem, he, you know, Stipe tapped, okay? Stipe tapped in that first fight. It's lies. Stipe is, you know, lying. He did tap. So, you know, I'm going Overeem here. He clearly felt the tap. All right. Clearly so felt the tap. Dan, did you see that tweet that I sent you yesterday? I did. I did. <laughs> I got to get I'll send it to you, Breck. So speaking of uh, the cramped up heavyweight division, there are three, three heavyweight main events. We have uh, this month alone. We have Overeem versus Volkov uh, this week. And I think in two weeks, we got Lewis versus uh, Blades. And then the week after that, we got Gene versus Rosenstreich. Uh, big boys coming out here. So we got Miocic and Ganu fighting for the title in March. 
but we got John Jones coming into the mix sometime in, in the summer, unless uh, somebody gets absolutely decimated and we have to wait till winter. And then we got these guys fighting all, everyone in the top seven is fighting sometime very, very soon. It's, it's a mess. I to say the least. So what are your guys' thoughts on the heavyweight division? I'll start with you, Daniel. Where would, if Nganu wins this fight, not Nganu, uh, Overeem wins this fight coming up on tomorrow when this comes out, when will he get his title shot? It's tough because if, Al- if Alistair Overeem gets through Volkov, which I think he's going to, he's going to get a shot at somebody ranked above him. The problem is every single fighter if if i'm correct except for one that is ranked above him he's lost to he's lost to every fighter ranked above him starting with the champion steve amiocic and then going down through number four with Derek lewis other than Derek lewis he's lost to everybody ranked above him i would assume that means he gets a Derek lewis fight next but it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to push him up the rankings really high, in my opinion, off a win against Alec or against uh, against Alexander Volkov. It just it's it's tough for me to to put him over Nganu. You're not going to put him over Nganu because Nganu's already set for a title shot. But it would be really tough for me to put him ahead of Blades or Rosenstrike just because he's lost to both of those guys. So I think next you match him up with Derek Lewis. And if he beats Derek Lewis, then you give him a chance to fight for a title shot or even give him a title shot in that regard. But it's really tough for me to see him moving into that top three with just a win over Volkov. And I want to mention something else too. So the loser of the heavyweight championship, if they get a win next, they get the next title shot, I think. So there's really, there's not much room for you. I, you know, Overeem did lose to Rosenstrike, and it was brutal that KO. But I mean, he if he was winning the fight up up until that point, and I mean, you could argue if he beats Volkov, maybe he gets the winner of Blades and Lewis, or the winner of Rosenstrike and Gain. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I fear for Steve. I don't know how you guys are. You know, this is long down the road, but like I fear for Stepe in this in this up up and coming matchup. But um. I don't know. Don't you guys kind of think uh, Rosenstrike and Cyril Gain are kind of like the future of the division, like the top Absolutely. dogs that are going to be, you know, reigning over it? Well, besides Nganu, but like they'll be those will be like the three guys in a couple of years. Uh, Dan, you can go first. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, without a doubt, I, I've been a fan of both of those guys really since they broke onto the scene. I, I've been kind of tracking Cyril Gane's career since uh, even before. Uh, he really made a name for himself uh, in the UFC uh, because you just heard for a while these stories about, you know, this this former training partner of Nganu who uh, was getting his professional career started and was really starting to figure things out. And then he made his UFC debut and he looked great in that. And then he's fought a couple times since then, and he's looked good enough to be a top 10 contender already. And then you pair that up with Rosenstroik, who uh, burst onto the scene so quickly. You take those two, you put Ngannou at the top, you've got a really strong top three moving forward into the next couple of years. Yeah, and I have to say that. I have to agree with you, too. And Gane and Rosenstroik are both young heavyweights. You know, heavyweights don't reach their prime till 35, and – I think uh, Rosenstrike's only 32, 33. So 
and Ganu's still, I, I don't, maybe he's not even hit his prime, but I'm not worried about Stipe personally. Uh, Eastern European and immigrant mentality right there. But that's, it's true. Like, don't you think Ganu this whole time has just been working on takedown defense leading into the Stipe fight? Because that's yeah, how, you know, Stipe that's, just wrapped all in the first fight. I mean, that's true, but we haven't seen it. So that's once true. he, once he does it, uh, I, I need to see it to believe it, but I'm sure he's been working on it. But but Stipe's head movement's absurd. But I think we're getting too much into the future right now. Yeah. I, I, I think the three of us can agree this division is a mess, especially with John Jones coming into the mix. All right. To more general discussion news. Uh, Breck, you got any news you want to discuss? Um, you guys want to get into like Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, possibly, or Nate Hell. Diaz, Conor McGregor? Hell yes, absolutely. I don't know about you guys, but like Tony Nate is an unbelievable fight. But, you know, unless, unless you know, Poirier agrees to the third Connor fight, like Connor Nate trilogy is, is might where the UFC looks to for uh, Nate's next fight. Uh, what do you think, Daniel? I want the Tony fight. Uh, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want to happen. That's what I, I need to happen. Too. I, I need to see those guys go at it for five rounds. That needs to be a main event. I need to watch it happen because it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Well, he, here's the thing with uh, Nate Diaz. Tony Ferguson is just going to throw an elbow, make his face bleed, and then boom, the cut man's, the doctor's going to be like, nope, can't go on. So that's, that, that was ridiculous. That's, that's the one thing I worry about in a Nate Diaz fight with Tony Ferguson because he's just going to bloody you up. So, but I would, I'd pay good money to watch uh, Diaz McGregor three. That's the fight to make. That's the money fight to make, put it in a college, put it in a stadium or something, get some fans in there. It'll be great. I'm looking on on uh, MMA junkie right now. Uh, Paige Van Zandt uh, threw a punch at a throat uh, in the face off. So that's interesting. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Paige Van Zandt going to bare knuckle? It's kind of unbelievable just in the sense that like, is Paige Van Zandt known for her striking in MMA? You know what I mean? It's like, it's not to like disparage her. It's just, it's a, I, you really would have thought she went to Bellator. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I, I would agree with him. Honestly, I don't think, I don't think Paige Van Zandt knows what she wants to do because <laughs> she, she left the UFC. She goes to BKFC. She's, she's going to give this a shot. You know, there was an interview uh, with her that came out today where she said she's been contacted by the WWE and has considered uh, a, a run in professional wrestling when she's done with cage fighting. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think she knows what she wants to do at this point in her career. You know, she was she was this hot prospect. She was this person that everybody wanted to see and it didn't really work out. But now you look at what she's doing in BKFC, you look at the fact that she's been on dancing with the stars and chopped, she's talking about the WWE. Honestly, I I think she just wants to keep her name in the news and keep her face on people's TVs, no matter what it takes. And uh, for better or for worse, it's what she's trying to pull off. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, But yeah, I I think she's going to get pieced up tomorrow on knuckle mania. I guess Monday we can review that a little bit. Um, McGregor came out on Instagram, I want to discuss this, saying that uh, his Pacquiao fight messed him up. It's not an excuse, but I completely believe him. That boxing stance really killed him. 
and that makes me more excited because he recognizes his problems. He's probably going to go back to the karate stance. I can't wait for this third fight, and I hope it happens sometime uh, at the end of the summer or, heck, even in May. What are your thoughts on what McGregor said? Uh, we'll start with Beck, I guess. Um, yeah, I was excited to hear that, you know, he – like you said, it's not an excuse, but, like, I don't know about you guys, but I love this, like, zen, like, calm Conor – you know, nice Conor McGregor. It's a – it's an interesting Conor McGregor, but um, between, you know, him and Poirier, the third fight is really, really interesting just because does that fight, you know, hold up the lightweight division in a sense that, you know, you could argue that Chandler after, after his win and Oliveira seven fight win streak deserve a title shot, but the the money that Poirier McGregor, you know, brings in for a third fight would just be astronomical with the series being one, one. So like you said, I think we, we need that fight right as Connor's, you know, leg uh, heals up. And like you said, Connor will, you know, revise his game plan karate stance maybe. And uh, we'll, we'll get a banger for a third fight. And Daniel, what are your thoughts? Can't disagree. I'm ready for pretty much all of that to happen. I, I am ready for Connor to be back. I'm ready for Connor to be, the Connor that he was before. And I think that's what he's going to be. And I'm excited for it to happen. In uh, more news, uh, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather has been postponed. I don't give a crap, but I just think that's something to throw out there. Breck, you, you raised your eyebrows at that one, buddy. Yeah. You know, they, they did like this weird pay-per-view thing where people could buy it months out at a cheaper price. And then as closer you got to the fight, it would be the normal price. But then, like, people realized, like, why would I pay? Like, I don't know what I'm doing in four months, like, on that night if I'm going to be able to watch the pay-per-view. So, supposedly, it wasn't tracking well. And it's, like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a circus. It's, like, boxing is in such a good spot right now. But then you, like, see Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul, and you're, like, you know, it's boxing still has its, uh, still has its problems. Uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. This this is the fact this fight's happening is stupid. The fact that they're delaying it is stupid. It's all stupid, and I want it to go away. I don't blame you. And well, Breck, uh, I want to ask you about this. Who wins, Jake Paul or Ben Askren? Oh, that is such a tough question. Like, if Ben Askren loses, what it does negatively to MMA is just – it's bad. It's bad for everything. Everybody in MMA needs to, re, you know, will have to reconsider their, their life choice. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, Jake Paul, like, has some boxing skills. He's athletic. And it's like Ben Askren's, you know, putting out these boxing videos. But you just, like, I'm so, like, if you look at his hand speed, you're like, this, this is not good. Like, <laughs> there's those clips. You guys see those clips, like, of like the gifts where it's like Ben Askren versus Damian Maia and he's throwing like spinning back fists at like, like a negative speed. Like it's like Damian Maia is like walking and he can't hit him with like a back. Fist. It's, it's another one of these where it's like, can, can it just go away? Do we, do we need to see this? I mean, I just want to point out, uh, Paul ducked both Bisping and y'all Romero. I would have paid an exorbitant amount of money to watch y'all Romero knock his head off uh yeah uh i don't really have much else what do you guys have anything else you want to bring up discuss um i mean there were 12 cuts in the ufc today that came out this afternoon 
Uh, no huge names. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. that uh, won Ultimate Fighter Brazil three. Uh, Spike Carlisle. Um, a victory for the Throwing Hands podcast. Uh, Pete Barrett, uh, slippery Pete Barrett, has been cut from the roster after <laughs> no showing our interview. So uh, we wish no ill will towards Peter Barrett. Uh, we hope he he catches on somewhere. But also, uh, karma is real. So don't no show interviews, Pete. Speaking of good karma, Josh Fremd has gone three and O since appearing on our that, podcast in August. That is, he's a dude, man. He's gonna he's gonna mess some people up. Yeah, Breck, he already just, is, but he's gonna keep doing it, and he's gonna do it at a high level. Breck, do you see the knockout that I retweeted about yeah. Josh Fremd? Yes, yes. During the, you know during the pandemic, I was following you guys, you know, listening time to time. And then when I saw that guy get the knockout, I was like, oh my god, that's the guy. That's the guy they interviewed. That's the guy. That's the guy. Speaking of interviews, uh, Daniel, I need to talk to you. We got one tomorrow if you can make okay. it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully Jane's and uh, Zalal can come through and up the throwing hands uh, post interview record to eleven and nine. Throwing hands magic, baby. Throwing uh, throwing hands magic. Throwing hands magic. Peter Barrett should have come on, man. I'm telling you, maybe you would have been one and one. It's brutal. All right, guys. Who should Michael Chandler fight next? One last thing. I'm sorry. Who should Michael Chandler fight next? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Daniel and I have We didn't really even talk about this. Um, that that's Gaethje. Oof, that's that's violence. <laughs> that is violent. I would yeah. see. I don't. Obviously, I don't pay for anything. But if the <laughs> if the <laughs> What does it say? I'm going to have to report you to Dana White. What does it say? <laughs> if Are you the streamer? Are you the illegal streamer that they got? Is Dana White watching Seneca Hall? Are you the guy? <laughs> we got one of them. Yeah, we got so- one of them. We're watching his house. We're listening to his phone calls. There's FBI agents in his ceiling. <laughs> I want to say something about what Dana White said there. It was really smart. He said, I got one of them. And none of those streamers knew who that one was, but clearly, when they ping it off in a office of a server in Angola, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna catch Dude, you. Like twenty Russian streams available every fight. Yep. It's unbelievable. Thank you, Russia. Thank you, Mother Russia. But as as for Chandler, I think Gaethje's the fight to make. I think, uh, I, I, that's. But the thing is, I think they're both above. Uh, a fight night headliner to be honest but it's 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 an interesting prospect daniel what are your thoughts Uh, yeah i think i think that would be a really interesting fight i think it's something that you have to make a main event because i think it's gonna draw just because of the way that those guys fight so i would think you're looking at that as being maybe a really big fight night main event rather than like a co-man on a pay-per-view but i think it would be great either way yeah, uh, I think I think another fight to make for Chandler, not not Chandler, but I think we didn't really talk about. I think McGregor RDA is another good fight to make. Personally, if we want to get McGregor back into the mix a little bit before he fights Poirier for the third time, um, anything else, guys? Uh, one final thing, just a little bit of a, a comedic note. Um, I was traumatized on MMA Twitter today uh, because of Ariel Helwani, uh, who. Uh, felt the need 
to uh, retweet a video from 2007, uh, which for whatever reason, uh, oh, the WVU oh. Pitt football game in 2007, uh, Matt Hughes and uh, GSP, uh, for some <laughs> reason, um, announced the starting lineups on ESPN of that game. And um, now I blame Matt Hughes and GSP for 13-9. Uh, if you're in college football circles, you know what that means. West Virginia was a game away from going to the national championship, and uh, they lost to like a five and seven pit team in the final week of the season. And uh, it is now I, I'm now of the opinion that uh, Matt Hughes and GSP are at fault. So uh, if anybody wants to debate me on that, uh, feel free to. Ariel Hawani, you're a great journalist, but uh, stop traumatizing me on my timeline. Thank you very much. <laughs> GSP reading American, you know, football names is unbelievable. He was was reading the starting lineup for the WVU defense. For for the uh, Mountaineers. uh... You are intoxicated. (laughs) You are (laughs) intoxicated. Oh, speaking of intoxicated, Dylan, I'm looking at the tweet right now that you were mentioning, Daniel. Dylan Danis' profile picture is GSP subbing Bisping. Hey. (laughs) Why? They've been beefing on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I heard about that too. Oh, I wish Bisping would take. I've never heard a fighter talk more than Dylan Dennis when he's little. He's got like three Bellator wins. It's it's unbelievable. Yep. Two actually, and two. those two wins were against guys with losing records. I know he, he's Conor McGregor without any of the actual fights. He has no clout. It, I mean, Dylan Dennis. He's, I think he'd be very, very good, but he just doesn't have the credit to talk about that crap. Yeah. But it's... He's... I mean, what are we talking about here? The guy's, the guy's a grappling coach with a big mouth. What are we talking about? It doesn't get much bigger than that. I mean, he's not, he's not a Henzo Gracie or anything. No. I, I think if he was a, a Hoist or Henzo or... Or Horion Gracie, maybe he'd, he'd have him out. He'd be able to have him out, but I don't. I'm not exactly. Or an, or an Eddie Bravo type, you know. Oh, yeah. Look into it. Look into it. <laughs> Look into it, guys. Uh, uh, speaking of Eddie Bravo, uh, dang, we're get, we're. This is a good one. We're having good. We're having yeah, good banner here. Deep. We're having good banner here. I enjoy. I'm enjoying this, Breck. I think you've brought a whole new element to the podcast. And Although I, I just, you know, I downed like an energy drink right before we started. I think it just kicked in about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Bravo, he's, he's out there. I, I, I think what, what, what's his face? Theo Vaughn put it perfectly. He's a, he's a deaf Jack Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, perfect. I love you guys ever watch though. Like uh, Eddie's 10th planet, like tournaments he has on his YouTube channel, the jujitsu tournaments. No, I haven't. They're actually pretty either. interesting. They, they just released like one yesterday, and it's like you know strictly jujitsu at a you know tenth planet Eddie's place in L.A. And they have like all the like rivaling factions of tenth planet come and like compete. It's it's pretty interesting. Oh, like um like tenth planet Vegas, London, yeah, and they, stuff like that. Yeah, they they you know do like tenth tenth planet Orange County. Like it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think Eddie Bravo is a genius, but he's oh, oh my oh my gosh, one championship. I'm looking at Bloody Elbow lost 100 million dollars last year. Oof. Good lord, uh, that does not seem sustainable. 
and they're all I'm their no economists. I know this is like we're just going deeper into the tangent. Did you guys see that guy, um, Rook Rook, in one one, uh, in, in one one, in one, the guy he's like the famed like African, you know those wrestlers that they have in Africa. That that's I don't know the name of the sport, but it's like a form of wrestling with with fighting. Yeah. He beat um Galani. Uh, Al Algon Galani or whatever. If you just haven't seen it, look up. His, it's like his nickname is Rook Rook. The guy is like 300 pounds of pure muscle. He's one of the. He looks scarier than Ngannou. That's 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 it. You know, wild. Rook Rook. I'm looking this. It's not as. Uh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Look that up. I, I'm. I'm. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but, I, I. I sounds familiar. I just can't place him. But back to this one thing. Good lord. And in 2019, they lost $131 million. In 2018, they lost $82 million. And this past year, they lost $99 million. Does, uh, does not seem sustainable. Yeah, like, like we said, we're no economists. But I am, not, I am no prognosticator. I am currently enrolled in Economics 200 at West Virginia University, but... I am by no means uh, a financial forecaster, but does not seem like something you can pull off for a long time. This is by no means mad money on CNBC, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is that's terrible because one has some killers, man. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they got Mighty Mouse, they got Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez, and that that TNT card that's coming in April is gonna be nuts. It's gonna be nuts. That's going to be a great card, and it's going to be huge for one. I can't wait. I can't wait for that card. That's going to be a fantastic card. Breck, any any progress? I'm just looking one sec. I'm, All right. Yeah. Stop. It, it, it's a great time for combat sports, I, mu- I must say. It is. Uh, apparently, some uh, – I'm, I'm just trying to fill some time while Breck finds this dude – uh, some MMA fighter was detained in Russia for for fleeing uh, prosecution in Belarus. Persecution in Belarus. So, oh, that's that's terrible. Ugh. Eastern Europe's a a crapshoot. I'll tell you that much. But oh, here's uh, his, name. Uh, his name is uh, Omar Kane. Omar Kane. Omar Kane. He fought Elaine uh, Engelani. In the last one, uh, fight. Oh. His, his nickname is Rook Rook. Oh, Rogue Rogue. Okay. Rogue Rogue. Rogue Rogue. That's what it is. I thought you said like the chest. Oh, my. Good Lord. This dude is yoked. Dude, dude it's like the he's insane. Oh, let, let me, uh, let me, I'm going to share my screen and so for the people on YouTube, I guess. But oh, my. That's not. Wow, Joe Rogan is be, unearthly. Joe, Joe Rogan would be all over this dude, going, "Dude, this guy's yoked." But, oh my gosh, this dude's massive. We we gotta see an Overeem Rogue Rogue fight. I, I must say, if he gets better, of course. But yeah, from uh, Cameroon, it looks like Senegal, Senegal, uh, Senegal. Senegal. Jeez, <laughs> dropping people on their heads. Oh, wow, 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 wow. 
you know, I, I think we, I think we should probably wrap it up. It's been, it's been like an hour. It's been a fun yeah. time. This, this has been a good one. Good. Hey, hey Breck, you coming back Monday for the, for the review. Sure. All there. right. Same time, boys. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on this very long episode of Throwing Hands. Might be our longest yet, but you know what? We had some good conversation, I'd say. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here. For Breck and Daniel, peace out, everybody.